Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome back to Headliners. I am your host, Simon Evans, and joining me tonight, we have Sajila Kershey and Josh Howie. Good evening, lady and gentlemen. How are you? <laughs> good. Yeah, good, good mate. You're yeah. wearing your signature colour again. Nice to see. A little bit of red. A bit of uh, scarlet flash. Yes. If it's not on me, that will be under me. <laughs> oh, gosh, there's an interesting image for us to toy with. And how about you, Josh? You're in your signature grey. I didn't know I had a signature. Grey stubble, grey hair, grey beard, grey... Old-looking person. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and a grey outlook. That's like the, the, uh, the grey kettle calling the grey pot. I pot, know. Yeah. I'm looking quite... You, you were kind yes. enough to yes. draw attention. I'm wearing yeah. a slightly more fashionable... Look at you, look at you hip to the beat. Yeah. <laughs> I had half an hour to kill in TK Maxx a couple of weeks ago and I picked up a hey, young, enough, a young man's jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I love TK Maxx. This is the benefit of touring, is you end up in oh, yeah, weird yeah. cities. Yeah, this is, know, this is no Top Shop, mate. Yeah. Top Shop. You know. Top Shop is, and they've all, they're all the same. There's no skill to shopping in Top Shop. The key with TK Maxx is like the modern jumble sale, right? There's only one yeah, in everything. Yeah. You've just got to really root around in there. It takes time and skill. Application. Are, are, are TK Maxx paying you, Simon? I know. I do, I do certainly feel I've probably drifted <laughs> yeah, into just like... Little advertising there. Other remnant shops are available. So let's take a look at tomorrow's front pages. We start with the Daily Mail. Uh, you can spike the hike, Rishi, with up to £50 billion to play with. Chancellor urged to axe worst-timed tax rise in history. I have some sympathy for that view. And a photograph of the Duke and Duchess enjoying their scuba trip, which you just saw uh, in the Caribbean there. Then we have the Daily Telegraph leading with Ukrainians regain key territory in fight back. We will be covering that story very shortly. And also cabinet split over new onshore wind push. The eye has landmine danger in Ukraine for decades. I don't know if that's been there for decades or decades to come. I dare say that will emerge in The Guardian. Ashes of a dead land. Russia lays waste to Ukrainian port and Chancellor to stand by hard-working families, whether metaphorically or just for a photo shoot, not clear. The Financial Times leads with Sunak to lay aside windfall cash rather than helping households. And oil pipeline squeeze raises fears of Kremlin retaliation over sanctions. The Times leads with Ukrainian troops are running out of weapons. Oh dear, in the Daily Express, Rishi, I'll ease the economic pain. Slightly more upbeat assessment from the Express. And the Daily Star says it's going to be the hottest spring for 180 years. And Cockney victims, you're having a giraffe. EastEnders are hit by cruel discrimination, but Pressure Group launches a fight back. And those, ladies and gentlemen, are the headlines. So, uh, a lead story, quite a few to choose from there, quite a lot of stuff about Rishi, but we're going to open with the Ukraine uh, update. They've pushed back against the Russians. Sounds like some quite good news. Yeah, as far as good news goes, 
yeah. in a war, people mm. dying. But yes, this is in the Telegraph. And Ukrainian troops are making um, some, yeah, pushing back against Russian troops and actually regaining some territory. Uh, <laughs> when a war happens or when COVID happens, everybody becomes an expert, mm. certainly those of us who spend our time on Twitter. Mm. And I have read a few threads. <laughs> I don't want to come across like I've read books and books about this stuff. Right. But my understanding is, I was reading this article and applying it to this thread that I've read, is yeah. that this is actually quite pivotal stuff because you got you got Kyiv, which cut, you know, the capital city, and that was sort of nearly getting surrounded. If that gets surrounded, that's a real problem, obviously. Yeah. So they've taken back a town there, which is going to stop that advancement and a motorway. That's a big deal. You've so that got, keeps a corridor open? Keeps the corridor into Kyiv, yeah, and keep so supplies and people can get in and out and stuff. But the important thing is also the center of the country is is could be cut off. So there's a city in the east of the country, they've taken back that city, that's a big deal. And then down south, which would stop them coming up from Crimea, an important town there is, has also been retaken. So these are all positive steps in terms of not letting the country be split in half and, and also yeah. keeping Kyiv somewhat safe. Uh, and those are positive things. Of course, at the same time, you still got the, the port city, what, what we saw in the newspaper there, yep. Maripol just basically being just destroyed and blown apart with civilians still there, you know, unbelievable war crimes. And um, the danger that people are now saying is that as these pushbacks are happening, they're worried about Putin and what he will do in desperation. Possibly they're saying, you know, um, poisonous gas, um, <coughs> which, they, which is what the Russians did in Syria. Yes. And they seem to be using a lot of the same tactics in terms of attacking hospitals and civilians and using... So you think, in a, in a sense, although it's, whenever there's good news, the corollary to that might be that if you, in frustration and rage, mm. Putin just yeah. raises the stakes. Yeah. But, yeah. but I don't like that as because I don't like it as a sort of use and excuse Defeatist. to yeah. not fight back. <coughs> oh, no, we're afraid what he's going to do, yeah. so let's just let him win. And that's, I think, what's got us into the situation. But it's also it's important to celebrate the, the wins that you do get. Yeah, absolutely. And like that great image of the woman with the curly hair, you know, it was a really powerful image of a woman with a gun. Mm. Um, they're very good with their images of women Yeah, they are. Guns. They're very good. Like, very, like, obviously pro-women there. Um, but, you know, you want to celebrate women. the wins, yeah. which is, you know, yeah, what we're yeah. doing today. But, of course, there is a worry um, if, if reports are true, and I'm going to try not to be too negative, but if reports are true that he has got some terminal illness, that... Putin. Um, yeah, apparently, apparently, because he's looking peaky and stuff. But then I suppose if we started a war, it was started a war. I you think would look a bit we may have lurched into yeah. the realm of the spectres. <laughs> but I, I'd like to yeah. think that that we'd get to him before whatever that would make him react the way you're just saying, like you know, go crazy with the chemical warfare. Um, right. But yeah, let, I mean, for now, let's just celebrate this nice win. Really. Absolutely. Mm. Well, I mean, there's not much more you can say. As we, you know, we, we can only report the news as it's happened today, strategy, outcomes, yeah. and so on. Even, 10%, 10%. even the professionals have been calling it wrongly, right, left, and centre. So uh, I suppose all we can say is that that turns that like a good day's work has been done. It turns out Boris Johnson uses WhatsApp to communicate critical government decisions. This is from the Mail. Yeah. Uh, and the government have been taken to task uh, and basically they're trying to sue them because yep. these digital communications, when the, when the law was written, there was a law, I think, from like um, about uh, Government Information Public Records Act of 1958. Yep. They obviously weren't taking into consideration WhatsApp. what would happen in the future yeah. and what's happened. They, so for a lot of people 1958, now... 1958, what yeah. did they have? Slates? Yeah, they, they didn't have fax machines. They had little yeah. tied yeah, exactly. they then had to split exactly. with a knife. But, of course, that those texts have replaced people calling each other nowadays. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and they it's do right, act as a... 
Sorry? That's all right, isn't it? Well, yes, but you have a written word. Yeah. And so the idea is that if it's written down, it really should be recorded. And certainly as we're going to look into what's happened, what happened with COVID and now mm. sort of different reports are going to be written about the last few years, yeah. if a lot of this communication doesn't exist because they use these, like, deleting... A message oh, no, apps. You're thinking of Snapchat. What's happening? No, no, but they, no, I know, but they, there's a function which deletes the messages, or oh, they so are deleting messages. That, yeah, so there's oh, okay. there's been evidence that lots of governmental, and not just Boris Johnson, but lots of other ministers are deleting their messages, or they're using this thing that deletes. Well, that their sounds messages. to me like the story is government ministers, including Boris Johnson, are deleting messages rather than the platform they've used to write. No, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not about the yeah. platform, but they, yeah, 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 it could be like letters they were tearing up. But this is the equivalent of that, and obviously it's a lot easier to do it when it's happening automatically. That is true. But also, weren't they? Just using they were using their own phones and not the phones that are like given to um, them, yeah. where everything is automatically recorded. Yeah, yeah. It's and that's enough to lose Hillary, then. Yeah, which sounds like they might have their own burner phones, and you know, yeah, who yeah. uses burner phones, dodgy I would love people, to have a people who lie, people I've who always cheat. wanted to have a burner. Um, but also, <laughs> um, the, 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 they said the concern is the material is not being properly considered and it is at risk of being deleted and lost entirely, and therefore meets the test of falling foul of their own policies. Who knew? that this yeah. government would fall foul of their own Strange. policies, yeah. It's a funny thing, though, isn't it, how certain communication devices or modes do seem to carry more weight and seem to be more evidential of in serious intent and a considered opinion. If I just say something to you now off the, off the cuff, that's about as unserious as it can get. I get cross if people hold me to this the following morning oh, on Twitter. If you, yes. write, if you write somebody a text or something, that's one thing. If you write them an email... I can't remember the last time I wrote anyone a letter. If you publish a book and have it yeah. peer-reviewed... Do you know what I mean? There's, there's all well, this these is kind of a, different... this is Marshall McLuhan, the medium is the message. Right. I sound almost like I might be intelligent there, but yeah, I just yeah. happen <laughs> that happens to be the one book I have read. Right. Uh, from so it is and exactly he agrees that. With me, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The medium is the message, and and yes, the written word will always have more power in that way. Yeah. But these work, they're saying that they've been using them for work messages. Yeah. And so we don't know what it was like. You know, what work messages were there? What times the party? Yeah. How many what, gifts? How many yeah, what shall I, what shall I bring along? Yeah. Shall I bring my own alcohol? <laughs> Lots of work stuff, governmental work stuff. How many aubergines stuff. appeared yeah. at the end of Boris's... The number of households with large debts has risen by a third. This is disturbing from the Guardian, Sajina. Yeah, um, Britain's basic number of households with large debts have, have risen by a third. Um, and... Uh, the number of households struggling with large debts increased by a third in 2021, even before the the rise the fuel of, prices of fuel, the fuel and prices. So, yeah. so this is and this is over the last 12 months. Yeah, or something. yeah. Right. Um, and this is an analysis of uh, uh, the Bank of England, and um, they saw that almost 10% of households reported that loan and interest repayments were a heavy financial burden, and this is really worrying. So there's, an in there's a 35% increase from the previous year's figures. Um, and uh, obviously, as things are getting worse, yeah. people are using their credit cards, you know, they're getting bank loans. Um, I don't know why that came into my mind. I was thinking, I don't know if you remember EastEnders, we are EastEnders fans. I remember Arthur F Fowler and his top-up loan. Top-up yeah, loan. Yeah, yeah. And he, he came to, you know, crop-up. So please, people out there, don't go to these horrible loan sharks. No. But it is, it is, it is, it is worrying, because on the 1st of April, average household will experience 54% rise in bills I mean, that's that's us. We're average yeah, households. Yeah, yeah. Um, and surging food and energy bills means that people are basically on the verge of poverty yeah. um, and, and debt. And that is worrying. And uh, the average monthly loan repayments have been recorded as uh, £373 in 2021. That's up 22% from the year before. And of course, in this year, that's probably going to go up even further. That's a lot of money, extra money, that we're going to all need to find. Well, I you... just hope Rishi Sunak is going to do 
you know, work some figures with his books and work some magic because this is going to affect yeah. actually... Well, we're coming in off the back, though, aren't we, of two years, Josh, where, where the government have been basically paying people to do nothing anyway. I mean, you know, the amount of debt we've all got into and the amount of, um, of debt that we have to some, try and clear somehow. Yeah, but, and it wasn't enough. And as Sajila said, the big point of this article is that we were in trouble last year. Mm. It's not yeah. like these things yeah. are happening now and we're starting um, to get in trouble. A lot of people, you know, with debts um, going up by a third... Are in, have been in trouble. And yeah. this is only going to just push things further and tip people even further over the edge. Mm. And the other thing is that, that, that I thought was quite interesting, they, people are talking about like this 20% a week, uh, the universal credit uplift, and like what kind of... But for, for a lot of families and working families, that is a big deal. And that has been said that the removal of that, one in four people who are going to food banks are citing that removal of that £20 as the reason. So it right. makes... A difference. Yeah. It made a difference. But it's also yeah. people like us, worryingly, that are oh, beginning to go worry. to food banks. I'm, and like, I'm particularly there's... concerned. I spend two days of the week up in London doing headliners and unable to monitor the thermostat. Yeah, home, well, you, you know, know which but, has been traditionally my job and my contribution. But that just shows you that you know things have changed. So the reasons that people get into debt, and that if anyone's thinking like, oh, well, maybe I'll be all right, like low income or underemployment, divorce, relationship breakdowns, um, high cost of this living. It's all you, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's all me. Overuse of credit cards. Shouldn't do that. Unexpected mm -hmm. expenses like you know, you know, washing machine breaking down, car breaking down. Yeah. So basically, what top is shop. what this do? Yeah, top shop and 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 yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Max. yeah, declining health. So any of these things, we could every single person. Every single citizen mm. could fall foul of that. So we're mm. not we're not we're not over exaggerating. And this whole scary thing in April and then August, October, October with the um, uh, is it tax rise in October. What have we got in October? And you've got petrol at the moment, of course. Oh, totally this bonkers. goes on and on. God, I feel like I'm waiting for a bus. <laughs> Four Israelis have been killed in Beersheba, Israel. This is from the Daily Star, Josh. Yeah. Um, very unpleasant uh, images. Well, here we go. Israel. This is from the Daily Star. Arguably, a lot of people see as a joke newspaper. Yeah. Yet uh, this happened earlier today. This is at the time of us going here. This is the only place that we could find it reported. I'm sure this will be in the main papers. Well, think? it hasn't been. It really? happened. It happened around midday. Why is it taken now? We're eleven o'clock at night. That the only, apart from the Jewish Chronicle and the Daily Star, this is the only place that four Israelis are murdered by a terrorist, by a person who's a member of ISIS, and it's not in the papers. Apart from the Daily Star. Thank you, Daily Star. For mentioning, thank you, Jewish Chronicle, for mentioning it. Why are the other newspapers not covering it when they would you. cover any any other kind of terrorist um, activity like this? Four people murdered, three of them women, mothers. One of them a mother of three, and this is how small Israel is. And I have to say, I'm Jewish, so I knew about this because I follow other Jewish people on Twitter. And Jews, we were like retweeting this straight away, but. This is how small a country is, and people think Israel is some big country. It's the size of Wales. It's a tiny country. People know each other. Everyone knows each other to the level that someone rocked up. One of the paramedics turns up. One of the women stabbed, dying, was his aunt. A policeman turns up. One of the victims was his wife. It's a tiny, wow. tiny country. And I think it's disgusting that this wasn't covered. Maybe it will be eventually covered, but why is it taking a day for it to even be just put online in newspapers. So you're saying none of the newspapers apart from the Daily Star have this on their websites at no. the moment? None of them. And I think, I think it's disgusting. And I think it's because if it had been, you know, it's an incredibly complicated situation. In, in terms, this is not complicated. This is a terrorist, a member of ISIS, yeah. who murdered, stabbed four people and others, but four people have been murdered. How does that not get into national newspapers? It's disgusting. 
And it's because, they're, for me, they're dead Jews. So it don't count. Okay, well, that's quite a strong, anyway. Let's be funny now. Accusation there from Josh. I suppose we're, we're reviewing tomorrow's newspaper, so um, let's if see. the stories are well, like I say, it's been half a day and it's been nothing in any other papers. Well, there we are. A rather well, depressing story to continue the tone of the first third of this show. <laughs> Mirror next. Uh, this one actually feeds back into the uh, the mountain debt, domestic debt. GPs are being asked to well, a GP at any rate has spoken to Manchester Evening News, I think, about being. Asked to prescribe nutritional shakes because of the cost of living crisis. So she's getting patients in who are not exactly ill. They're just simply coming to the because they're, they're sort of desperate about not being able to feed their families. Yeah, this is really, really sad. So um, starving Brits are basically, this is this is happening in Bolton. Starving Brits asking GPs to prescribe nutritional shakes um, uh, uh, you know, at the cost of living a crisis. So mm. the GP and uh, GPs, they're saying that they're coming up to them. And again, I mentioned that, you know, people like us. Um, and saying that they're having to choose, and we talk about this often, like choosing to like heat your home mm. or eat, um, and they're paying for the cars. These, these, by the way, these are not people who are claiming benefits. These are working people um, who, who, who are just turning up the practice and asking, and, and, and they're starving. It's this horrible. Is, this, it's, is, it's, um, this is a, a GP is, mm. is saying yeah, this. JP, a a right? GP yeah. is saying this. Um, I, I have to say, in my area, I wouldn't even have to get an appointment with a GP. No, you know, I was but, quite um, interested it's, to it's, think. I mean, that you ring up at 8.30, you get the, the engaged yeah, signal for the first yeah. 10 minutes, then you... Half an hour... Occasionally, you get, you get a phone back. Yeah, exactly. If there are people going in to see the GP to complain that they... Um, it feels like a misuse of resources, which I'm not necessarily blaming the, uh, the individuals for if they don't know where else they're going, but it feels like that story as much as yeah, anything Yeah, I mean, the thing, I think what I got from this story is that the fact that they're going to the GP and saying, look, you know, can you give me vitamins? Can you give me something so that I can get nutrition into my body? Like, mm -hmm. you know... Um, uh, prescribe yeah, me prescribe some Prescribe me something, smoothies or something. Um, and, and having to go is such a... To ask this for someone mm -hmm. who's working... Now, um, I, I went and visited Pakistan once and there was um, a beggars on the street and there was a man who'd recycled stuffed rubbish and made small toys... And he was selling them. And my uncle said, look, here's like, you know, I don't know what equivalent of 10 quid and like take that and walked off. Mm. And the man threw the money back at him right. and said, I wasn't begging. So he was trying to make a living. So these people who are trying to make a living... I would have taken the 10 quid, I've got to be honest with you. Just give <laughs> yeah, me one yeah, toy. They're crap toys. Yeah, take they're crap toys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is that they, it's that humiliation. The last thing you have left is your dignity. And I mm. think... Um, you know, with the last couple of years, with what's happening now financially, I think people losing their dignity. I don't know. I, long term, you've mentioned about the trauma from from the pandemic. I think it's just like ongoing, and the people who can see it, they're angry, they're they're frustrated. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not denying it, but at the same time, that's absolutely word for word the sort of story you heard during the miners' strike in 1984 or whatever. You know, there's, I mean, the, the idea that poor people lose their dignity has been an absolute constant throughout my life, mm -hmm. and and as you say, there are places like Pakistan where things are an awful lot worse. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a very serious situation, yeah. but I'm concerned that people are going to see their GP with it. I don't. I think maybe. Well, I think it's that she's raising like people's diets, or they're yeah. saying that is there a possibility? But it's. I mean, look, it's an anecdotal story. Yeah. It's one GP. They spoke to others, and but... it's in the Daily Mirror, which hates the government. But I do think that if they're going to draw anything from it, what they should do is like say. This is a website where you can find out what you can do in order to mm. make sure that you maintain sufficient nutrition levels to keep your family alive. Well, this is, the, this is a, a sort of side story to that. It does mention it, but yeah. it's about nutrition levels where when you're eating sugary food, they're the cheapest, and mm -hmm. that is going to make your diet yeah. worse. It's going to yeah. lead to mental health issues and just bad health issues. <gasps>
Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Simon Evans. My guests are still Sajid Lakershi and Josh Howey. Sharon Davis has blasted Labour MP Charlotte Nichols for certain comments, Josh, concerning uh, transgender swimmer Leah Thomas. Wow. This is all escalating quickly. I'm getting at all. These are my favourite subjects here. (laughs) Jews and and the trans issue. So Sharon Davis, Olympic medalist. You're not trans. Well, I am interested in the trans issue, or should I say I'm interested in women's rights issues. Um, And basically, yes, uh, Labour MP um, Charlotte Nichols put out what I think is one of the stupidest tweets I've ever seen. Basically saying, I used to compete uh, as a you know, in, in, in sport, yeah. in, in professional swimming. And the, this part, Leah Williams deserves her medal and there was nothing unfair and what, it's like, and this is a real, and I want Labour to get back into power. Mm. I, want, I want them to do good in this country and I think they can. But when you've got Labour MPs like this going out and writing the most ridiculous stuff that anyone with eyes can see that that is a biological man and it's unfair, like, it's, it's crazy. If Labour can't get their act together and be able to define what a woman is, they're in problem. She actually said, didn't she, I think any, anyone who uh, fails to see how much hard work and preparation goes into yeah. training for, uh, like, a swimming race, I mean, like, that isn't the point. This person not, was... I'm not saying she didn't practice. No, no that's 463rd <laughs> as a biological man yes. and then tra- transitioned taking hormones or suppressing their testosterone. Mm. And because they went through male puberty, they still have, he still ha- she still has all of these advantages mm. and has now miraculously gone to first. What, yeah. do, you, what do you think, Sidney? Uh, well, OK, so just to pick up what you said about Labour getting, yes, of course, I'm a lefty, so of mm. course I'd like them to get in. But I do think part of this issue with not addressing women's rights and addressing, you know, the, the whole debate around, um, uh, uh, you know, gender versus uh, biology mm. is, I do think it's because they're still smarting from accusations of anti-Semitism. That's not accusations. Of, they were found guilty okay. by the EHRC okay. Okay. of being anti-Semitic. Mummy's speaking now. Well, Daddy <laughs> mommy, is saying that that's what happened, OK? But the thing is, I don't actually blame Leah Thomas, right? I think she she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. Well, who I blame are the authorities. I blame the government. I blame Labour. I blame all these people who are being too America, cowardly. Well, it is in America, to, yeah. It's in America. Yeah. It's a worldwide okay, so, issue at the moment, but, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but, but just they're being really cowardly about the government not addressing... Yeah, yeah, because... I'm sorry, Labour. Labour. Oh, they're being really cowardly for not addressing this and not saying, look, because they're too scared mm. to get on the wrong side of what people. What would have been wrong about, is, think, about generally... um, this Labour MP just not putting out a tweet about it at all? Well, th- she was asked in a tweet, and yes, she could have just ignored it, but it's... Um, it, 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 look, it, it, they need, Labour needs to come together and because some of their Labour MPs have received tremendous abuse for just stating that biological sex yeah. is real and is important. And you have a conflict. And, pe- and her accusation of every, anyone criticising this or saying it's unfair as being transphobic, it's not. It's fighting for fairness for women's rights. And to be fair, she's only got about a 1,500 majority, isn't she? I mean, she's going to throw it away if she uh, angers a, a, a northern working-class constituency with... Uh, with you know, it's just a straightforward strategic blunder as well, isn't it? This is an argument that's existed on Twitter for a couple of years. Now it's coming out into the real world. People yeah. can see photos with their own eyes. Yeah, yeah. But don't you think that this is actually the tide is turning a little bit now? Yeah, yeah. I think well, people are speaking now. We talked about this before, how, like, from now on, we're going to, you know, we're not going to 
But for some time now, on. you would probably say, without getting bogged down in this whole massive issue about Labour, but I would probably say that one of the big turnarounds of the last sort of 10 years, and it's happened in America as well, is that the Labour Party is now the party of the metropolitan intellectual mm. and the Conservative Party is the party of the... Of the uh, what you would you know, traditionally regard as the working class, who have socially conservative values. Yeah, and I want Labour to win back those people, and yeah. they're not going to do it by tweets like this. Joe Biden, speaking of uh, metropolitan intellectuals, <laughs> Joe Biden was caught using the words New World Order. I always knew he was a lizard, but um, Josh, maybe you'll leap to his defence as well, I don't know. It's an unfortunate uh, <laughs> phrasing there. It's not that sinister, is it's it? It's not that really? sinister, but of course the conspiracy theorists with the lizard theories and whatever will take leap upon it as proof of chips in people's COVID yeah. you know, uh, injections or whatever. Uh, but when you place it within context, mm. of course, but then we don't do that anymore, do we? People forget that there's... What was the context? The context was he's talking about... What, how the world's going to change in its relationship to Putin. And, of course, then there will be a new world order that is constructed around Well, them. not necessarily, of course. I mean, it might be well, desirable, I mean, but there but is the alternative talking, is to go yeah. to the, uh, what they would call the anti-status quo, anti, I think, is it usually referred with things back to normal as they were before, whereas he is seeing this, this as, as, as a, an opportunity. As a paradigm shift, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the paradigm shift then? No, no Russia? Well, not, yeah, not not you, not depending on Russia, uh, uh, gas and oil, right? And um, and the sh the shifting of the, the alliances, and I guess bringing NATO closer together. Not relying on Russia, gas and oil, switching instead to a green. Well, and maybe economy. nuclear power, or what, you know, uh, yeah. whatever. But, but the <laughs> it point sounds is, like it, the it, new world order. It, go, it, go, it goes into you know a wider conversation he was having, yeah. not talking about like lizards or not talking about conspiracies, not talking about whatever, but just the reality of the geopolitical shift. What do you think, Sajina? Is there a new world order on the horizon? I think, you know, yeah, obviously they've got the conspiracy theories, but I think there is a new world coming. Mm. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we can ever be the same as we were three years ago. No. Everything's changed. We've got not just pandemic, but the war. You know, alliances, as you say, mm. have changed. I kind of agree with that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we should sort of harp on to... America is a, is a hollow husk protected yeah. by the biggest military the world has ever seen. No, no, that, yeah. you know. Well, I just yeah, think if you are the American president, it's probably you would maybe want to avoid that phrasing. This is why I think they would be so much better off if they had a young, healthy, like Macron, Blair-type leader who wouldn't, wouldn't just like lose his way and, and accidentally mutter. Well, I'm not saying I like yeah, Macron yeah, yeah. or Blair. You know, my politics aren't the same as theirs, but yeah. at least they give the impression of being with it. You know what I mean? You just have this horrible feeling that, that Biden is is accidentally letting slip things that are just, like, flaring up in his I was, mind. Right? I personally was just happy that he beat Trump. Like, I wasn't a Trump fan at all. But as things go, it's not like he's brilliant either. No. Andy Warhol's Marilyn is set to go on to one of them. I say his one Marilyn. I think the whole point was that they were a mass-produced set, weren't they? That was seemed to be yeah. what he was satirising. But anyway, this is from The Times. OK, so Andy Warhol's portrait of Marilyn Monroe is expected to become the most expensive artwork of the 20th century, and he's selling at auction when offered at Christie's later on this year, expected to get $200 million, mm. which is an outrageous amount. And at the time of Warhol's death, he was worth, with all his body of work, $220 million. Wow. So, like, just one piece of his work. Now, the silk screen painting... When was that? 19... In the 80s, Oh, we've got it? a photo, sorry. He, he died. Was it in the 80s he died? Um, he died 1980 oh. something, wasn't it? And um, he painted it, actually... A month, the same month that Marilyn Monroe died, she died, I think it was it, 5th of August, 1962, so he painted it later Did on. he actually paint it as a screen? It's it's a silk screen. screen. He silk wouldn't, I doubt he was even there. I bet he wasn't even there. Mm. 
No, it's so it's a seal screen from a photo that was taken from the film. What's the film that she came in? Misfits. Oh, and Niagara, Niagara. Niagara. Oh, oh Niagara. That's actually, I love okay. that film. Um, yeah, and, and there was a series of five of them, different colours, mm. um, uh, an orange, turquoise, light blue, sage blue, and it was a turquoise one, wasn't part of that. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but there's actually, um, it's called Marilyn Shot, because his friend, a photographer, um, said, do you mind if I shoot these, you know, these, these uh, like portraits? And he said, of course. So she puts her gloves on and gets a little pistol out of her bag and shoots through the Marilyn's head. Wow. That's why it's called Marilyn Shot, but the turquoise one survived. Oh. Um, so there's five of them altogether. But anyway, so it's $200 million. I mean, there's nothing you can do about this, is there? There's no point in kind of complaining about it. I suppose you could tax it. I suppose no. you could introduce that. Well, I mean, this actually, the money is going to charity. Yeah, that's good. So. That's Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, but so that's a good God, thing. It's just depressing, isn't it? I mean, the whole point of Warhol's paintings was that he was satirising the sort of hollowness, the emptiness, the the tawdriness of, of American consumer culture and the aesthetics that it that it used to, you know, sure. regenerate itself. It, it, it's just, it's beyond satire. Or oh, pot will eat was itself. It soup? Yeah. Was it Campbell's yeah. soup? Which and some, it? some comment from Christie's auction house saying this is one of the greatest paintings of the 20th century. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't even go on my fridge door, honestly. Second homes, <laughs> the scourge of rural communities. This is from the Metro. Who's got this? Sajilu, you've got this again? Have I? This is a Cornish, um, Cornish community have been uh, vandalising second homes. Next time. Oh, so yeah. basically, get off my land. Yeah. It's kind of really have you got get this off. One or no? yeah. Get off. Um, I don't know if you can, uh, yeah, can yeah. see it there anywhere. Uh, okay. There you go. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Silly eyesight. There's a, um, yeah, yeah, get off my land. It's been an ongoing thing again throughout my life. People in Cornwall are fed up with second homeowners. Yeah, second um, homeowners. Um, some sort of. So what they've done is they've graffitied. That they're their homes, yeah. and, um, uh, and and you know someone said like uh, second homeowners uh, rent or sell your uh, empty house to local people at a fair price, yeah. um, and uh, it's angered locals because they can't afford to live there, and, they, and then it's empty like half yeah. the year. Um, and but some people don't agree with this, like with the vandalism. Um, this is vandalism, and it's completely unnecessary. Of course, we are all unhappy with second homes taking the houses and the villages, but this is vandalism. Well, I know. Yeah, go on. I was going to say, I just, I love that they're kind of fighting back in a way. I mean, maybe not the graffiti, but um, they're, you know, they're really, they're really making a case for, like, you know, stop doing this. It's, mm. it's, 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 it's ruining um, Cornwall. I've, I've. Only been there once. I don't mm. know about you, but um, disgusting. It's... I can't believe you went to Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> You're part of the system. What, what, are you, what are you doing? Down to your people, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't remember. I remember Straw Dogs, Dustin Hoffman and Susan oh, George. Oh, great, remember that? Oh, I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, yeah. that was the uh, 1960s. It, it's but, been simmering there for some yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not new stuff. But I do like that someone did say uh, about the uh, graffiti. Said it's a reasonable and polite request, to be fair. Yes. Which I think that is maybe this is how they communicate. Would you they mind just... going home? Yeah, exactly. Or, or just like, can I borrow some milk? Just graffiti across it. Do you have any sugar? <laughs> I have one small uh, suspicion, which I'm just going to voice. I have no idea. Whether it's grounded oh or not. God, here we go. I sense the clip coming. I think that possibly the older generation in Cornwall blame the uh, Londoners who buy the second homes on the fact that their children leave Cornwall as soon as they've grown mm. up, grown mm. old enough, and they want to go to the big city. And they think mm. if only the homes here were cheaper, they would possibly stay here. Whereas in reality, the young people just want to get out and they want to go and find because they think life is elsewhere. As you get a bit older, mm. Cornwall becomes yeah, appealing yeah, again. But yeah. The fact is Cornwall is now enormously reliant on tourism and that is a little bit like possibly what you were saying about dignity earlier. Dignity is a tricky thing mm. and I do think there is possibly a certain amount of 
they they feel an unwelcome tension with yeah. the with the tourism industry mm. because you know the Rick, Rick Stein and kind of restaurant business and all that kind of thing. Some very wealthy people go down to Cornwall mm. and enjoy a very good mm. holiday lifestyle. There's very beautiful and places like Sulcombe, yeah. which I think might yeah. be in Devon technically, but it's like it's like like a Monte Carlo. I mean, amazing yachts and and beautiful, I mean, wonderful place to go and spend that time. Mm. That is kind of how the economy works there now because there aren't any tin mines anymore, and you know. There's only so many, um, I don't know, slates that you can write house numbers on or whatever, you know, to survive on that. What do you think? Is that a decent theory? I think it's a good theory. I'm looking forward to reading your book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's the end of part two. I think we've managed to turn a corner and tweak the mood in an upward direction. Join us in a minute to celebrate the health benefits of coffee and why those damn statues just won't stop being racist. See you in a minute. And welcome back to Headliners. Let's crack on with the show. The terrorist threat level has been reduced in Northern Ireland. This is the first time for 12 years, I believe, Sajila, is that right? Yeah, um, terrorism threat level in Northern Ireland has been lowered from severe to substantial for the first time in 12 years. Yoo-hoo! That's not bad. <laughs> now, what that means is threat level has decreased from will get blown up to maybe might get blown up. From um, severe to substantial. But, but yeah, I mean, I didn't even know, I'll be honest, I didn't even know that that, that was still an issue because I, I remember the IRA and I remember that um, it was literally like they handed over the terrorist baton to, you know, to uh, Islamic extremists. Mm. And um, now it feels like they, 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 they obviously had some splinter groups in there, just like, you know, Al-Qaeda took it to ISIS and, you know, they've got like I think, to be there. fair, within Northern Ireland, the the uh, the two, and to be fair, again, it's not just the IRA. The uh, the Nationalists had their side as well. But the um, I think that I think homegrown terror remained a more serious threat than Islamism in in Northern in Ireland, Ireland itself. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. we we didn't get it. We didn't get like look, it was off the mainland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I remember we used to get the phone call. Yeah. Northern Ireland has changed massively over the last, even the last 10 years or so. Yeah. I mean, going to Belfast, we, we do gigs in Belfast, you've seen what's happening. It has become a more prosperous place, yeah. and that does lead to peace, and it seems to be, I mean, which is yeah, a, which a great there. thing. You know. One of the friends of the show, though, who's not actually on here, Jeff Norcott, um, mm. who was uh, tweeting the other day, he was in Belfast, saying this city is just great. It's amazing. Fantastic. I haven't it. been there for a few years. I, remember, I always like going there anyway, the Empire gig. Yeah, it's a fun. great gig. Fun. But apparently it's really shiny and bright now it just has a kind of real different yeah, vibe yeah, yeah. and of course the the south is uh, is party central wherever you go from west end and east yeah Jake's yeah. out with his good parties. for them yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah well i just think that's fantastic but i have to say being just a tiny bit controversial or provocative i'm particularly interested and, and enthusiastic about this news because i remember having several rows with people on twitter who were absolutely sure that the disregard that Brexit voters showed for sustained peace in Northern Mm. Ireland was absolutely disgusting and that they couldn't believe these people would countenance a return to the bad old days of the 70s by throwing open the, you know, the Good Friday Agreement was going to be rubble and and there was no possible way of uh, reconciling these two warring factions without that political fudge which had been achieved, and it turns out, no. Well, it turns out there is actually honest, a desire and an appetite. I used to also make that it. argument on Twitter, yeah. and uh, I don't think we came to blows about it, but no. I did think like that. Um, I hope that this continues as is, because that's only It just seems thing. to me that people, uh, if you ever will, you can you can make these things work. I don't think that Boris Johnson was great during those negotiations. No. and uh, It was possibly in fact, almost certainly overlooked. I just thought the idea that it was, you know, it could be held over our heads. Anyway, 
Lars, thank you very much, Northern Ireland and all the peace-loving peoples for uh, reassuring and yeah. confirming that... For that, your that, substantial exactly. terrorist threat. <laughs> <laughs> Glasgow City Council has audited its statues and um, it's bad news, of course. This is from The Express, Josh. This is from The Express and we're covering it on GB News and that's just the way it goes. <laughs> Statues. Let's go back to statues. Wow, God, statues feel like the good old days. Yeah. Yeah, the good old... Uh, Mid-2020 was the big, the height of the statues. The height, the height of the statues, yeah. That's uh, when the fellow went into Bristol Dock. So, yes, yeah, so they've... Uh, Glasgow City Council, they have uh, commissioned this report. The report's come back saying that some statues are dodgy or, you know, possibly need to be looked at. And some of them, are, and some of these examples they've chosen are just absolutely ridiculous. You've got Gladstone and Mr. Peel, who were anti-slavery campaigners, uh, but because of their connections with their through their father. Gladstone's name was taken off a university building, if I remember. Yeah, right. I mean it's ridiculous. You know, and you, yeah, David and David Livingston, he worked as a spinner in a mill, in a mill that used West Indian cotton. Well. He, he was exploited as well. You know, you're working in a mill. That ain't exactly. No. A, David Livingston, the explorer. That's what I get, I'm guessing so. Yeah, it must be him. So the, because I'd be very surprised if that's the most problematic incident. Well, that's but that's but that's but that's what they're saying is the reason why is because he worked in a mill wow. that used this cotton. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, yes, there are problematic statues, but mm. get it right. If that's your job is to find these statues out, at least get it right. Shoot, Maybe there aren't. Maybe there aren't. Maybe they've run out. It does feel to me sometimes like there are people who seem to be invested in the idea of just rubbishing the history of these. Well, there's also people who make a living out of it now. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that's, uh, that's where I want to jump in is the history. So, mm. um, okay, I'm not necessarily a fan of, like, getting rid of cancelling statues because there are links to slavery. I think we shouldn't forget that history mm. and that these statues are actually important to remind us that these people did do these things. Mm. In this instance, I mean, I can't believe even that the, the, the headline hatchet job woke, slave, uh, woke slavery aud audit lists eight, the next eight statues to be cancelled. Um, so I think that's actually, I don't want them cancelled. I want us to remember the history yeah. of the, the, the ugly... But even if you, have, if you have a statue of William Gladstone, I don't know why he's there, but William Gladstone was arguably the single greatest reforming prime minister. Well, they're saying because his dad wasn't, seen. because he's, cause he must yeah, but it's, have financially... Yeah, but a statue of his dad. pay for the crimes of the father. Well, that's exactly what... If it's a statue of his dad, it's not. No, no. it's not. It's a statue of... And we of, have been that, through this before yeah. because he was he was definitely cancelled from... A, I think it was a hall of residence in, in Liverpool. It was renamed because of this ridiculous association again. Yeah. We, so we've been through this, you know, yeah. it's ridiculous. It, uh, it's, and what does Glasgow think it's going to achieve with this in particular? I mean, it's not a, you know... Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, look, I, a part of me is, like, it's ridiculous, but part of me also realises that the article, and even us by even talking about it, are sort of promoting this kind of... No, I don't think we're promoting. I think we're drawing attention People can become we'll just... aware that they've got a council that's engaged in all kinds of frippery and nonsense. Yeah. We can't imagine Glasgow's got money to waste. Well, it's just at the end of the article, I it goes, the council is previously... Losing, losing a place where men can pee when they get drunk and come out of the pubs. Maybe that's that's the, ah, that's the only thing. I don't know. Place for a pigeon to perch. Yes. Emmanuel Macron has made rather a disappointing decision mm. in the Telegraph. Should you look Oh, so this is interesting. So Emmanuel Macron has given Renault... Do you remember the Nicole... Yeah, uh, do I? Yeah, do I? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, why do you, why do you think beautiful. I bought this uh, jacket from Top Man just in the off chance? <laughs> <laughs> I have to bump into like her, her little <laughs> Renault Clio that, you know, lots papa. of young girls were Papa or Nicole. Well, um, Emmanuel Macron wants to, uh, has, give, um, has given Renault the green light to resume car production in Russia. So obviously with all the, um, you know, the Western boycott, um, his government has backed the French car maker decision to 
ignore the boycott and uh, start manufacturing Russia again. And I think this is interesting because how how far are people going to, because obviously uh, financially this is going to affect people um, economically and will they, you know, will they stick to the boycotts? And I'm wondering how many more businesses now mm. will decide to... Because Renault is essentially a state-owned company or at least mm. majority share owner, isn't it? Yeah. And, the, and I think all of the, uh, well, all this, Citroen, Peugeot and Renault, I think they're all state-owned um, to, to a large extent. That's why they're so great. Well, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting, you know, point. They, there is a, there's, it's quite a different model generally. And, mm. and if there is any sort of um, moral superiority to be had from that, if it's supposed to be a socialist project, mm. then, you know, you would think this was an opportunity for them to demonstrate that Absolutely. they were better than the, uh, than the private sector. And it's sector. not just that company. There's another company which is kind of like the uh, IKEA of France called uh, Decathlon and a family there. Pulling up, going and back in, going straight in. Decathlon, into the sports shop. Uh, I believe so. Well, it's retail tycoons. I don't know yeah. Decathlon, but basically the family are saying that they want to fill the vacuum that's been like that's been made by these Western companies leaving, and they're going to make a profit. And I think it's disgusting. Mm. But there you go. Hmm. Difficult for them, I suppose, because there's probably not that many. I mean, it's, it is tricky if you say, well, other companies haven't situated well, McDonald's their... McDonald's closed all of their company, you know. Yeah, but if, you're, if, you, if you've situated your plant in Russia, or maybe, well, I don't know, they bought... It's, 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 an, it's not for them making Renault, they're making larders there. Okay. So, yes, they're going to lose out on money, no doubt, but then how many other companies are losing out on money by putting hmm. out of Russia? You make a good point, though, Sajira. It will be interesting to see how long people's determination to do the right thing survives, as you say, once people start getting hungry, etc. A Japanese company have invented a tool that enables us to feel unnecessary pain. This seems an interesting <laughs> concept. <laughs> Come in on an evening like this, Josh. Yeah, this is just because I think that people online need to feel more pain. Yeah. If, uh, <laughs> this is in the metaverse, though, right? Is this that right? is in the metaverse. So, so people the metaverse virtual reality feels as miserable as reality. Yeah, exactly like that. So when you get like a, a someone trolling you on Twitter, you can just get like a punch in the face to yeah. go along with it. I think yeah. is the idea. Uh, and. Um, yeah, this actually this article fits into like my favourite sort of uh, subgenre of articles, which is where they've just cut and pasted uh, the press release and then they just put it into the article. Yeah. So like, later on, it starts talking about how people can do their favourite childhood activities, like the sensation of throwing a ball with a parent. And you think, oh, really, that's a British thing, is it? Like a British journalist wrote that about us. That's what we all do when we go with home. A we mitt. All go, yeah, we all throw the ball with our parents. It's Mesh like cut and paste. But what is, what is the... Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a glove, the, basically, that's going to allow you to feel and, and have... A glove? Sense. It's, it's an, it's an arm, Well, it's, no, it's not really, actually. There's gonna, it's going to be long, more than that. And so it gives you that sort of tactic feeling, and they're saying that it can constrict as well yeah. as so cause pain, but also cause different. Is this so that if you're playing like a shoot 'em up kind of war yeah. game, it makes you feel pain? Yeah. But I thought the metaverse was more like something where you went to sort of have coffee with your friends or something. Well, it? it's a bit of both. So you can play games at like shoot 'em ups, and you can right. also go. And, and as we know, we've covered out. here before weddings, like they've had a oh, Bollywood, really? yeah, Meta like wedding. an Indian wedding. Like you invite like two thousand people in the real world yeah. in the metaverse, it costs and you, give you next a to nothing. Gift. Yeah, yeah meta, a meta gift, a meta gift. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't like the that. idea of this armband by giving you pain. Why do I want pain? I want a metaverse uh, thing that strokes my hair, brushes my right. hair, you know, tucks me into bed, puts the bins out. Gosh, I know that sounds like a relationship. Metaverse. But I just realised there's probably a metaverse carer. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah. There, I mean, it's obviously there is going to be a, a, an erotic metaverse, isn't there? Yeah, that's it's going to be that's course. easily going to be what makes or breaks the thing. It always has been in the past. Mm. Basically, the how successful is this medium 
for uh, advancing the cause of pornography. That's always been what's worked for sort of everything, DVDs, the internet, the lot, wasn't so it? So this is going to be good for S&M people. Yeah. yeah. So you'll have a, the big armband. <laughs> the pain. Anyway, uh, a rich nine-year-old boy, a rich, a mega-rich nine-year-old boy has been sticking it to Putin. Is uh, the richest boy in Africa, I Yes, believe. Africa's richest nine-year-old breaks Ukraine silence to ruthlessly mock Vladimir Putin. And this nine-year-old kid is called Mon Monfort Jr. He's spoken out about Vladimir Putin's invasion. Now, he's really, really rich. So apparently, we've got a photo of him. Have we? Have we got one? Um, uh, anyway, very rich. He's, he's like an Instagram. Oh, there, there he is. is. Look, wow. look, like in, in front of his Lamborghini. But which, yeah, I don't know if it's like, is that made he for him. He looks like he's been shopping in TK Maxx. TK Maxx, yeah. <laughs> you can get Gucci in TK Maxx. I've got Max. an outfit just oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's I don't a, think they sell that in TK Maxx, but I would <laughs> oh buy it. Oh, my God, look, that's, that's red, red, yeah, Oh, yeah, and that's his, that's his mansion. He, so his oh, dad... Look at a nine-year-old wearing a mask. Like, look, even his dad has bought him a mansion. He's bought him his first Bentley, a silver car, at six. And he's eight years old now. Uh, no, sorry, nine, nine. years old. Mm. Uh, and he's one of the richest kids, son of a multi-millionaire, Ismaila Mustafar. Now, what is it? That, oh, so he basically um, sent, uh, put something on, on, on uh, uh, Instagram saying how Putin is behaving with the world right now and, and, and put a little link to Family Guy sketch showing an erratic Putin. So I think the story erratic is Putin. An, an erratic Putin. That's not a huge yeah, no. metaphoric leap, <laughs> no. is it? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is really not a story about Putin at all. It's about this little kid being nine, nine year old, yeah, yeah. like Super. stinking rich. And his dad put on on Instagram. His dad said he deserves some accolades because he paid his dues in full. I know. I mean, that, that is that's, this is sort of gaslighting on a Labour MP yeah. uh, female swimmer <laughs> scale. Puts a lot of things into perspective. Yeah. A race discrimination case has taken a funny turn. Gosh, this is from the mail. Yeah, this is from the mail. This is pretty uh, this is pretty funny. So this guy, uh, he was on 60 grand a year, city broker, missed 55 days work, and he went sick. He was celebrating Diwali, and then he texted his box, his boss just saying, look, I, I overdrank, I vomited, I passed out, and I woke up an hour ago. And then he basically sued them for race discrimination, but he's lost the case because they found out Essentially, he said that he uh, was sick and he needed surgery and he went off for 11 days and then he couldn't produce any certificates that any of that happened. Right. So there was like a whole bunch of stuff that happened. He said that he's suffering from uh, PTSD because um, <laughs> there was like a tremor when he was a kid, like an earthquake, and the uh, the floor on the trading floor reminded him of that. So like, wow. he was, and essentially he would go to Amsterdam a lot yeah. and party too hard and then just be like, oh, I'm, I missed my flight. Oh, I'm coming back tomorrow. And this, this is sort of fantasist, <laughs> alcoholic and drug addict. What do you think? Um, I, well, I think, I think he was treated differently, definitely, yeah. for being a lazy bum bum. <laughs> but I do think he probably thinks he's the Indian uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. I think that's what he was trying what to do. What would that be? In, which was obviously living the high life, like spending four the... days to celebrate Diwali instead of the one and, you know, getting drunk and uh, maybe... Sounds like a good guy. Yeah. I want to hang out with him if yeah, he's around. 60,000 K. I don't think he's that so easy, but... I don't know. 60K a year is not that big for a city broker, is it? It's not that great. Maybe I guess you're a couple more TK Maxx jackets. He's not going to earn his bonuses if he's not That's showing up to yeah. work. I don't know. What is the wolf of Wall Street for India? Is that, do you have wolves, actually? You don't? Yeah, you? The no, jungle because book. they the have wolves. Book, yeah, yeah. yeah. Arkela. Yeah. I was just trying to think what would be a different... But uh, no, you, where you don't get them is Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> the health benefits of coffee. Now, this is my uh, kind of story. This perks okay. me up. OK, so obviously, viewers, we all come in, have our little coffees, don't we? Um, and how your daily coffee habit uh, boosts your health, the body benefits of drinking coffee from one cup day to six. 
So uh, apparently there's health benefits. So one cup of coffee a day, um, how it helps your health is it boosts your alertness and aids bowel movements. And we can all attest to that. Yeah. The morning coffee. And it stops you helps killing yourself as and well. And helps stop you killing yourself. I didn't know that. I get. But I guess if you don't, bowels don't move, maybe that's what you want to do. I don't know. Uh, so two cups a, a day improves your exercise endurance and promotes uh, protects your heart. Three cups a day uh, may lower choice uh, a chance of a stroke or Parkinson's. That's oh. quite a tall order, three cups of those. But, of course, there are the negative sides because if you're a bit allergic, it can also give you the shits. <gasps> oh, the... my gosh. Yeah. Should be it can leave you diarrhoea. I, I, never, I don't one. drink coffee. I never drink coffee. You're joking. No, I, I don't drink You're like this without coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly Absolutely why. Absolutely No, I'm just on drugs. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, Wolf of this Wolf is... Street. Yeah, but I did like it how it said, yeah, indeed, the... Um, it says both regular and decaffeinated coffee causes contractions in the lower bowel within four minutes. Now, I was just wondering, how long have we got left on the show? Yeah. Let's have a little experiment now. That is all we have time for <laughs> no, this evening. No. I have been going eight hours without coffee to get to this point <laughs> in the day, and this is as far as I can go. My thanks very much to Josh and Sajila. Apologies for the foul language right at the end of the show there. It was met with the best of intent. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you tomorrow evening. Cheerio. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.